Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. This is episode 10, uh, reviewing week 9 of the 2022 NFL season. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon, here with Mike Parker, as always. Uh, before we start, I just wanted to say you can listen to this podcast on any of the podcast platforms. If you could rate, review, like, share, all that good stuff, we would appreciate it. Mike, how you doing, man? Uh, pretty good today. Um, I managed to make it into your house without falling on the ground. Yesterday when I left, um, after kind of co-signing your ballot, I, I stepped off the deck. It was the concrete itself. I lost my footing. It shot out from oh. underneath me. I did like a, a lunge, knee hit the concrete. It's pretty oh, jacked up right man. now, but we're fighting through it. Dang, bro. I was able to get into the Don't gym. Don't sue me, please. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> it was me. I should have kept my foot underneath me. Oh, That's man. That's just basic balance Yikes. shit, man. Yikes. But I will be using the ramp today. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. So, yeah, man, I'm. Uh, there was some good – this weekend, I was not looking forward to this weekend of football, and it turned out to be some really good – there turned out to be some really competitive – Good games. I was impressed. There were, I think, four teams going into the the last two three minutes of the of the first window uh, games that were coming down to the wire. So that yeah. last part, especially, was I think exciting. there, yeah, I think there was four or five that were like tied at seventeen or something. Like in that last like couple of yeah, like five minute last five minutes, or maybe going into the fourth quarter, something like that. But anyway, yeah, let's uh, I guess let's dive in uh, to our review of the week. Well, um, we're gonna start with my. Uh, Sportsbook results, my betting results. Oh. Um, it was a rough week. Um, I lost every single uh, bet that I made, so I'm down 400 for the week, Oof. 633 for the year so far. So let's review real quick. I had Philly minus 13 and a half at Houston, and the over 44 and a half. So a Thursday night game. I've learned a lesson. I don't think I'll go um, double digit spreads anymore. Uh, try to find value in other places. If I had simply just played the money line and uh the over i would have been much better i i missed that by two points it was like a point and a half or whatever um but i was right there um anyways minus lost because philly uh did not what what was philly's point spread 11 yes yeah that's no no it's 12 12 12. my bad yeah that's 29 17 i think it's tough to blow somebody out on thursday night football I think After, it's tough to blow anybody out, honestly, true. but especially on Parody, Thursday night with, with a week to prepare, yeah. or less than a week to prepare. Parody's tough. So, I, think, I think the comment you made to me when uh, we were talking about that game was, you're not betting any more double-digit yep. favorites. Nope. Um, my second one was Carolina Moneyline at Cincinnati and the over 42.5. Um, I was riding that Atlanta-Carolina game pretty high. Um, what we, what I've come to find out is that the bottom of the NFC is way worse than the middle tier of the AFC. Um, they showed signs of life, passing the ball, good defense, uh, stopping the run. They were able to run the ball. This is Carolina last, uh, the week before last. And I really thought that Cincinnati had some weaknesses there, um, that they could exploit. Um, I just had no chance right out of the gate. I mean, they just ran yeah, the score up. It was, it was, that was a that one, though, it was a chance. It was a long shot at plus uh, 545. So that was a pretty big long shot. Joe Mixon, man, just killed uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, I got some numbers team. for him Gosh. a little later. Um, my next one was the L.A. Chargers at Atlanta. I had the money line, Atlanta in the money line plus 140. Obviously, it came down to a game-winning field goal with no time left. Um, the Chargers won that game, and I lost my bet. And then finally, I had a three-leg money line bet. I had Seattle 
money line at Arizona, um, Rams money line at Tampa, and Tennessee at Kansas City money line. That was gonna that to hit all of those would have got me plus uh, four fifty three. Um, I only lost the 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 Rams bucks, and it was close. No, Kansas City Tampa too. Kansas City won that game. I have I had Kansas oh, City you, money line. the way you said it, I thought you were saying you took Tennessee. My bad. Tennessee okay. at KC money line. Okay. I'll try to be more clear yeah. about how it. When I always say the team that I'm taking first, and then I'm just trying to say it and so. like who's the home in a way right, gotcha. and stuff like that. So I kind of read it that way. Okay. Um, I lost this game by a. Um, I lost this bet. Uh, by a game-winning touchdown drive from uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. To uh, Kate Otten, uh, who's from Tumwater High School right here. In, uh, Kate Otten. Isn't that from, like... From UW, too. Some, like, I don't know, British Family. novel? No, no. All right, let's... Moving uh, high on. High school, uh, Washington State High School uh, legendary coach is his grandfather. But, yeah, anyway. All right. Um, that's what they came here for. Local Washington high exactly. school sports. Exactly. All right. What'd you? How'd you do this week? Uh, you know, I basically uh, kissed my sister this week. Uh, didn't. Uh, luckily, I don't have a sister. But uh, I, yeah. So my I had Green Bay uh, minus three and a half at Detroit. Um, I am never betting on Green Bay again. Probably at least for idea. the rest of this season, I'm yeah. out completely on them. Uh, didn't win. Didn't look good. Tom or uh, sorry, Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions in the red zone uh just one of the ugliest games i've ever seen um i know you're gonna have a, a an interesting look at tom or at, at aaron Rodgers' uh performances this year so far later in the show um my next game was tampa bay minus three against the rams they did not win by three i think they only won by two though or no they no they did win by three sorry my bad that's my tie so I, that was a push. That's I had minus push. three. They ended up winning by three. Uh, and then I had Baltimore minus two and a half at New Orleans. And that, that obviously hit. was a winner. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even, Not bad. Not bad. Even I think I'm still plus 300 for the year. So You lucky bastard. I'll yep. get there soon enough, I think. Let's go, man. Right. I know you can You can do it, Mike. You can do it. So let's take a look at the observations, our observations of, of a week, week uh, nine. Um, so we had Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, the Giants, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco all on by six Seems teams. Seems weird to have that many teams on a bye. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they're net. Well, two two weeks ago, or maybe last week, they had only had two teams. Right. So, it, yeah, it is weird. Yeah. Scheduling, I suppose. Um, so the first game um, was Philly at Houston. This was Thursday night. Uh, Houston scores on their opening drive for the first time all season. So it, it, that looked good. Um, Philly's defense really has a tough time tackling. I'd like them to shore that up a little bit as we move into the, the dog days of the year. Um, Philly ran the ball very well. Uh, big games from Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. Um, we have 93 yards rushing in a TD and 100 yards receiving in a TD, respectfully, for those two. Um, the one thing I do like about Philly uh, is that they can beat teams in, in different ways. They can beat you with the run. They can um, beat you with the with passing. They can um, send AJ Brown to just kind of demoralize you. You know, all sorts of different ways yeah. that they're and they're they're, they're that's why uh, surprise. I think their coach is one of the best of this year because of his ability to get his team prepared in so many different ways. 
So um, we'll see how that goes as the year goes on. Um, I would say my only question for them right now is how good they are in close games against a tough opponent or in the two-minute drill. Can they get that pace and can they beat people when they have to uh, outside of what their normally scheduled plays look like? Right. So that'll be question and key for their success this year. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what how they play the rest of the way. This game was so boring to me, man, that I, I had a hard time watching it. I think I turned it off in the towards the end of the third quarter. Um, just couldn't put myself through it anymore. I think I, don't, I forget what else. Something was on that I wanted to watch. And I so. mean, it was a relatively high-scoring game, but the, there's so much spacing between yeah. those scores. Um, it didn't feel like a really impactful game. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I, I kind of kind of tapped out on that one fairly early, but... Um, you know, I'm still I'm, – I'm, Philly keeps doing what they have to do, man. 8-0. Yeah. You got to win. That's it. All right. Uh, L.A. Chargers and uh, at Atlanta. Um, I thought the Atlanta O-line, um, just they're underrated. They were moving the Chargers D off the line of scrimmage. They were completely dominating them all game. That's – that's Cornell that, Patterson looked really good running So did um, – Tyler Algier. Yeah. The that backup. guy was yeah, he's, crazy. They both – yeah, he ripped off like a 45-yard run early in that game. Um, but, yeah, that, that was a – I mean, their running attack looked pretty damn flawless. Their, their toughness really projects when you watch that game. They're tough. So that's something I haven't seen from an Atlanta team um, in a long time, if ever, is toughness like that. Yeah, no, it's – yeah, they're usually like a, you know, like a whatever high-potency high offense that – yeah, that passes the ball around, and uh, you know Matt Ryan never seemed like the toughest yeah. guy in the in the room for sure. So no, I'll say about um, the Chargers, despite kind of looking a little flat um, right off the top um, of the game, the the offense would come up with this scoring drive like right at the right moment, like a long drive score, just to keep um, Atlanta close. Uh, and then D, the D would have some, you know, key sack or a stop to get off the field. So they were right. both making plays when they had to. For me, the key play was the Cle- uh, Cleo Mack just gre- snatching the ball out of Drake London's hands and, yeah. and running that back. So I think what, that was the, the momentum shift. Right. Yeah, no, I think so too. What, where do you think um, – how much of an impact do you think that injury – to Justin Herbert's rib cartilage is still affecting him. Um, I think more than that is the fact that his two top receivers aren't playing right now. True, so, very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was a tough. That was really tough. There. I mean, who are you throwing to? Right. I mean, yeah, you. Yeah, they don't have. They have nobody. Really. All right. Speaking of not having any receivers, um, here is Miami at Chicago. Uh, Miami won the game. All. All respect should be paid to Tua. He went 302, three touchdowns. Hill went for 143 receiving uh, and a TD. Jalen Waddell even chimed in here with 85 yards and a TD. They, they look great. Yeah. Um, but for me, the real story of this game was Justin Fields. Only 123 yards passing, but three TDs. And he ran for 178 yards, including a spectacular 61-yard touchdown run. Yeah, he looked amazing. He's next level. He, he, that, I mean, yeah, that, what, he set, I think uh, Colin Kaepernick's the only one that's run for more uh, yards in a game than him. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, it's that that's pretty damn impressive. Here's the key for me: that touchdown throw to the corner of the end zone. Uh, he threw it to Mooney. That's the piece that I was waiting f- to see from him. Yeah. That touch, you know, in the back of the end zone, in the corner, right to where the receiver, only the receiver can get it. I thought that was a fantastic throw. And if he can hit that with consistency, he has massive arm strength to push it down the field. He obviously can run. If he puts that, if he adds that part to his game, I mean, I think he's the clear favorite to be the best um, quarterback of the 2021 yeah. draft. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he's got the most, the, the biggest skill set, it seems like right now. Definitely. And is definitely uh, looking tough. I mean, it, and, you know, you're going to, Claypool's going to get added into the mix there uh, more and more each week. And he did make a couple of grabs uh, from what I saw. Like he, he was like, like made some, he made at least one for sure. Good catch. Yeah. And uh, you know, almost made another acrobatic catch while I was actually watching the game. So uh, yeah, I I was impressed by field. Fields is a story of that game. No doubt. I wish I would have uh, been able to watch a little bit more of it. It was like, doing some chores and stuff around the house. I was checking in often, but I was missing some of these big plays. So, um, yeah, Yeah. fun game, though, it looked like. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Carolina at Cincinnati. All right. Um, Well, I was really wrong about where I thought Carolina was. (laughs) It seems they're regressing back to, you know, where they're supposed to be. Well, Um, going into that game, I mean, Cincinnati had just put up such a duck against – uh, Cleveland the week before, and you're like you and uh, Jamar Chase is still out, so you're like, what, you know, what's this going to look like? And yeah, well, they appeared to have less drops uh, this week than they yeah. had in against Cleveland. I'm not sure Cleveland did anything to beat Cincinnati in the in the passing game. I think they beat themselves for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, Burrow looked okay this weekend, uh, but the real story was Mixon: 211 all-purpose yards and five Ooh. effing touchdowns. Man, um, pretty sure he won everyone's fantasy league that he was in. Yeah. Well, I, the downside is Cincinnati's road is going to get tougher. Um, they were hit by the injury bug, the aforementioned uh, Jamar Chase. Um, although he's going to apparently be back the week after the bye, still missing him. Um, they, lo- they lost their, um, their key cornerback. Uh, for the rest of the season, oh, yeah, I saw. And that. then Hubbard's out as well, their defensive end. So yeah. there's they've got a, quite a few players that are out for extended periods of time, and you know obviously they have to go back through um, the AFC South or I'm sorry AFC North, which you know for all intents and purposes they they play against each other very well. They're all tough games, so I don't see anything getting easier for them. Yeah, yeah, it's probably true. All right, so your favorite, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Green Bay at Detroit. Um, Here's my take. I'll just say this. Aaron Rodgers is deliberately tanking. There was this video that I saw where his tight end was running a post-cross route uncovered in the middle of the field. The video shows him staring at this receiver, and then he turns to his left and throws the ball out of bounds. There is no way Aaron didn't see that route yeah it why i mean why would he do this though like why would he play purposely play bad well you don't think just like the the heat of the moment like he he saw it and then like 
flashed back to you know like just immediately like check the next uh why would he check there's no reason to check I, I mean, it's right there he's maybe, been maybe doing he thought this the for, guy wasn't going to get to the first down let's yardage. not think about i mean you're asking me like what i think right, he's okay. thinking all right okay. so well i'm just saying like i mean there's the, got I, I don't think like at third like why even do it anymore if that's the case like retire as the two-time defending mvp he, he's a he's a, he's a prove my point guy but what I wonder what point he's trying to prove. He's the he's case. the man that they that's making this team run, not whatever uh, Matt Lafleur is doing, not what you know the GM is doing, not what any other player on that field's doing. It's him. He's the one that makes it go. So you think he's gonna like flip a switch here? He only has a two year contract right now. That's what he's on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Seems, uh, yeah, it's could also be wanting to force himself out there, or I mean, they only draft players, so maybe they get a higher draft pick because they they're kind of pulling up lame. He's maybe like, he just knows it's not not the year for them. So. I wouldn't put. Here's what I'm saying: I wouldn't put it past Aaron Rodgers to unilaterally decide that that team's going to tank because he feels that it's a better way to go than trying this year. I could see that. I'm just throwing it out there as a theory. I'm not saying this I is happening. That, right, right. But and then I don't again, know though, the man. Right. Again, that could backfire on him too, because who? I mean, they could draft a quarterback at the top. Honestly, the that's it, that's what it's all about. I mean, it, things have been backfiring on him for a couple of years now. I mean, true, it is what it true. is, but it doesn't stop him from doing saying yeah. and doing some of these things. Yeah, he he played terribly though. I mean, three. I think they said like his previous like eight seasons. He had only two uh, red zone interceptions, and then he had three in that game. And, I mean, it just – like one of them was on like maybe a, a deflection. I think, but... I think that just makes my point. He, it's like he, he didn't see Aaron Hutch, uh, Aiden Hutchinson just standing, standing there. The, yeah. I mean, it was a decent play bad. to come back, but, I mean, he didn't, he didn't see it. Right. I mean, he's just, no, he looks he's just like flipping Zach, it out there. He's looking there. like Zach Wilson out there. Either he thinks he has it all under control and he's the smartest guy in the field, which he might be, and that hubris is causing him to make like a lot of mistakes, or this is a planned situation for the yeah. purposes undecided, I suppose. Okay. All right. Could be, man. Could be. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, I guess. Uh, Indianapolis at New England. Um India's India at this point. I don't, Gosh, there's really not man. much more to say. Um, I'm not sure they're good at all. Ellinger looked horrible, like Zach Wilson territory. Horrible. Yeah. He threw for five, 15 for 29, 52%, 103 yards and an interception. Um, I wonder if Jeff – and the fact that they fired the coach and hired an ESPN analyst who used to play for the team just means that Cocaine Jim Ursay is the – just the wildest cowboy of all of these I have goddamn some, I have some takes a little bit later in our take corner on, okay. uh, regarding that. So um, we'll save some of those. It. Yeah, we'll talk about those it, gems for that. Man, I want. Yeah, I wonder if he brings Matt Ryan back. Like, so why, I mean, is is Sam? Are, do they think Sam Ellinger might be their quarterback of the future? Is that why they named him the starter for the rest of the season? I don't. I guess he's pretty young. He's only a couple years in the league, so maybe they do think that, but. Yeah, well, let's he discuss looked, some of those theories. Terrible, yeah. So. so for me, New England D and uh, Ramadre Stevenson are what's keeping them competitive. Yeah. I don't know what else they really offer. Mac Jones is... I love listening to Bill Simmons just like after a win for New England, just rant about how bad Mac Jones is. So the problem is the rest of that division's been playing pretty well. Yeah. You know, I don't think... I think the Jets are eventually going to fall off. Um 
we'll see, man. We'll get to that game in a minute. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, yeah. actually speaking of them. Let's let's just <laughs> go right, right yeah, to Buffalo at uh, Jets. Well, so let's get it. I mentioned this last week that the 2018-19 Josh Allen had made a couple of appearances and some bonehead throws that he yeah. made. Uh, definitely is still here. Like the ghost of Josh Allen is kind of hovering around Josh Allen. Um, Buffalo Bills fans should be nervous, honestly. I wonder if it's the mustache. Like I didn't notice. And then all of a sudden, you know, like he takes his helmet off. There's this mustache. Is it throwing yeah. off his game or his balance? I don't know. But maybe oh, shave maybe. that fucker. Yeah, I, sure. It seems like he that's must the be problem. doing it for uh, Movember or whatever. I oh, that's a good call. I will say that I don't think the Jets played particularly good um, overall. Um, they just won the game. I mean, and honestly, in the NFL, if you can pull these wins out, it's I mean, hard. It's hard to win in this league. So. I I feel like. Buffalo, we're going to get to our, our uh, power rankings in a bit, but I feel like Buffalo was probably my top team until they lost that game on Sunday. So, And, you know, and Josh Allen came out of the game with a, an injured UCL ligament, which is uh, for baseball players, that's Tommy John. I mean, I guess for anybody, it's Tommy John surgery, but um, I think football, like. Well, it's a Tommy John in- injury. Throwing a football is, yeah. But it's not it, torn. Well, no, no, if he has to have surgery. But yeah. usually when you strain that thing, man, it's. It's just a matter of time before it goes. But throwing a football is different than throwing a baseball. So, Less elbow, more, more right. core, I think, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Minnesota at Washington. Um, I've been – I'm not – obviously, I'm not impressed by Kirk Cousins, like, in any way, shape, or form. He is, like, this equalizer, though. He can elevate a team, uh, but never high enough to take them seriously. Um, so, outside any division leader of the um, AFC – uh, and NFC South, uh, Minnesota is my least favorite division leader. Like they, yeah. they don't flash to me that they're going to have this talent or, or going to be able to do anything in the playoffs. I don't trust them. I didn't, uh, trust. That's a really good word. Yeah. I don't trust. Well, I do. Yeah. I mean, I don't trust Kirk cousins more than any per any, any quarterback probably. And that's in the top half of the NFL. I also wanted to call out, um, Washington is officially a member of the Ewing Theory Club with Taylor Heineke. Which, what is the Ewing Theory? Um, where your best player leaves and the team performs better, okay. quote-unquote best player. So Carson Wentz goes down, and then they haven't won every game. Uh, obviously, they lost this week, but they're 2-1 since Heineke is the starter. The team really rallies behind him. He's making good throws. Receivers um, are happy. Uh, Antonio Gibson's happy. Defense is playing lights out right now. They're competing. Um, I still don't think they're right where they should be at four and five or whatever, but um, they're definitely look better than with Weds. Yeah, they um, like everybody and their cousin was picking the commanders to win this game, too. Because that didn't make sense. Minnesota, to me. I didn't understand it either, but like the point spread wasn't very much compared to what I thought it should be. So I stayed away from this game just because it made me nervous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like they're Minnesota is just, I, I don't feel like, I think they maybe they played to the level of their competition more than any other team. Like they play down to their competition if they're playing somebody like the Commanders or they play up if they're. You know, I don't know who playing a better team. So. I think at the end of the day, what happened is Washington's defense just let Minnesota um, go on a drive, a scoring drive. That was it at the end of the game. I mean, they were up by 10, I believe, and they just kind of 
chipped uh, away at that. If anybody hasn't seen the uh, Kirk Cousins, um, what do you call it? Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, meme gif. Yeah, whatever. dancing on the plane. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Shirtless with a bunch of chains on. Fantastic. I did like that they got T.J. Hawkinson Jewelry. involved with nine catches and seventy yards in his first game in the offense. Um, you know, gives because I feel like they still, even though yeah, Adam Thielen's definitely lost something over the last couple of years, he's, he's pretty old. I mean, he's getting up there in age. Um, but having him and Justin Jefferson and now adding, you know, probably top five tight end in the league to your team is going to, is giving Kirk Cousins another weapon to go along with Dalvin Cook. Top uh, eight, maybe? I think top five is pushing it, but, I mean, but right up in there. Yeah. Top, we might top have to eight. Go, we might sure. have to go through our. Uh, tight end rankings I someday. couldn't give any shit you just want to argue you just love arguing with me about you're just gonna be like no not not Try top to be as accurate eight. as we can on the top podcast eight. but i don't just off all the right. top of my head i wouldn't have gone top okay five. that's all i'm saying all right next game all right las vegas at jacksonville uh las vegas gives us another 17 point lead um, seems like they're going to get worse before it gets any better for them. Um, they also cut Jonathan Abrams on Tuesday. That was wild, man. No, it's not. I'm telling you, I told you about this with the uh, box safeties, man. They're gone. They are a thing yeah. of the past. If you can't cover out in space, you're you're toast. Yeah, I mean, he's just a freak athlete. And he's he's kind of – I feel like he's a lot like Jamal Adams, probably not as athletic. Uh, not Another as, Ewing Theory candidate. Yeah, it's true. They couldn't even trade him. They tried trading him all week. Before well, when he went down with that him. injury – I th- I think he's done. Like Jamal Adams, you're yeah. talking about, yeah. I, was, I mean, I mean Jonathan Abrams. They were trying to trade all week last yep. week and couldn't even find a taker for him. So that that speaks volumes right there. Because if they're going to cut him, probably could have got him for a seventh round pick, even a conditional seventh round pick. So. Well, honestly, we were, we're we have an open market for a, a box safety if, if Pete really wants to grab yeah, one. So yeah. we'll see. Seems to be making good decisions right now, so let's not <laughs> let's not kick the hornet's nest right now. Right. All right. Speaking of uh, Seattle, uh, they played Arizona. Um, great team win by Seattle. Geno continues to look great. Walker looks like a top tier rookie of the year candidate, they if need, not running back. They need to slow down on how much they're using him, though, because if he goes down, I mean, you have DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, and I don't. That's not getting you many wins or getting you to the playoffs for sure. Well, part of this is crossing your fingers and people hoping people don't get yeah. hurt. Um, I think he's made differently. Um, Chris Carson, despite his injuries towards the last part of his uh, career, uh, was really durable for like two seasons. And he had a heavy load and was taking a lot of shots. Um, and then once that injury bug started, it was hard to keep him on the field. Um, and then... Um, what's his name? Is Mr. Glass at um, a San Diego State? Uh, Rashad Penny. Yeah, Rashad Penny, Mr. Glass. <laughs> oh man, yeah. That's All tough. right. Also, D is playing great. I mean, we got to call them out. Too. Yeah, no. I mean, at every level. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, tackling. Yeah. Pressure on the quarterback. And Wosu looks like. I mean, yeah, that kid is. That might be the best. That I was listening to a national. Uh, radio show, uh, sports radio show, and they were saying that he might be the best uh, free agent signing of the off season last year. Yeah, just doing great. Like had them. I think he was leading the league in quarterback pressures, and then he's finally turning those into sacks. Now he's got sacks seven sacks yep. on the year. So good, Looking good, good for him. Keep yeah. my fingers crossed, and we can keep it going over yeah, in too. Munich this week. Um, oh, did you, I, I saw a thing, man? How Germany has 
the most fantasy football players, um, the most jersey sales, and like the most television ratings of any country in the world outside of the United States. Yeah, I think they had a really uh, they had a world football team that was well they still supported. Do. They well, still do. I team. mean, they have a, it's not the world league, but it's a different league. And I just heard that there's still the Ryan Fire yeah, over yeah, there, okay. and Jim Tom Sula is the head coach Holy of smokes. the Ryan Fire. Jeez, look at that! Pull that out of nowhere. Yeah. The, the uh, former co- head coach for a minute of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Well, hang on to that, folks, because that could be a Jeopardy question. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, moving on to the Rams at Tampa. Uh, both these teams look done. Full stop. Cooked. Uh, they're too slow and too old. Um, they really don't have a chance this year. I saw today that uh, Matt Stafford was placed into the uh, concussion protocol. Concussion protocol. I had that actually had them on my list of bets for this week until I saw that. So I'll bet the other side. Yeah. I, no, I'm not doing that. No. They're playing the Cardinals. <laughs> I don't trust I think, them I, either. I think the Cardinals are going to kill them, and I, I think I bet as such. All right, moving on to Tennessee. Was that all you had for for those? It was just it, it was like, just it, was it wasn't game. yeah it wasn't a good game at okay. all. Okay, uh, Tennessee at KC is a little bit better, a little bit more exciting. Um, we were over here for most of that on uh, yeah. Sunday night, so that was fun. Um, was this Mike Vrabel's best coaching um, so far this year? Now. Here's my argument. KC had 29 first downs to Tennessee's nine. KC was eight for 19 on third down conversions, and Tennessee was one for 11. KC had over 200 more total yards, uh, 499 to 229. Yet. 17-17 going into overtime, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they. I, I guess that was like the epitome of bend but don't break defense. Cause, and I was shocked. The doing, next, what, doing what you do well yeah. and sticking to it. I was defense shocked the next day seeing how many yards passing Patrick Mahomes had. Like he had like 484 yards passing, something somewhere in that, that range. And I was just like, holy smokes, this is uh, – like they were moving the ball up and down the field, just couldn't get it in the end zone, which is you know good on, uh, good on the Tennessee defense. If you think about it, these teams are kind of antithetical in a lot of ways. So KC passing, right? Okay defense. Um, Tennessee running. Good defense. So there's a lot of they're kind of opposites in a lot of way the yin and the yang play. And you know, I mean, and, and to your point about um, Vrabel's best coaching job, I mean, what was uh, Malik Willis had to start that game and he was five of fifteen or so or something like that, five of eighteen on the game yeah. and, and overtime for like forty nine yards or fifty one yards. So it was some it was crazy low. So he didn't even get a hundred yards passing. Somebody and somebody had talked to him about that um, and was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of – I don't know the exact quote, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase yeah. here. Basically, they asked him why isn't he passing it more, and his response was something to the, uh, along the lines of, who, who, is, who is he going to pass it to? Yeah. So I th- that's kind of the state of their offense right now. Hand it off to uh, – speaking of carrying a heavy load. Yeah. Hand it off to um, – Derrick Henry. There it is. He's the man. Like, yeah, that kid. I mean, they Kansas City made some good defensive uh, adjustments at halftime, and they really shut down Henry in the second half. Because I think, yeah, I, I don't think Tennessee even scored. They might have scored a field goal in the second half, but that was it. So it was by the end of the game. I mean, it was a foregone conclusion that once once Kansas City tied the game at the end, it was a foregone conclusion. I felt like that. There was just it was obvious Tennessee couldn't move the ball 
and they had stopped Derrick Henry at that point, and, and Malik Willis wasn't capable of yeah. moving it down the field. So, well, I mean, they're a tough team, KC. So, I mean, who? Yeah. I mean, it does it get easier from here. The South no. is a, a shit show, so they should be able to win their division. Yeah. Well, and ten, if Tennessee has Ryan Tannehill, I think they win that game easily. Perhaps I, I think Perhaps. It, I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot better game for uh, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, offensively anyway. Well, I got so. my fingers crossed for Malik Willis. Um, I liked him. Uh, in college, yeah, we talked I, about. I think that he's a, a solid dude, so um, yeah. I want him to be successful in the league. So we'll me see. Me too. Me too. Those windows are tight, man. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, they are. All right, Baltimore at New Orleans. Baltimore gets the win. Good game for Lamar, I guess. Um, New Orleans is, yeah, whatever. Their defense is good, but Lamar Jackson is so much fun to watch play football. I don't know how long he's going to be able to play like this. I don't know. It's just I saw him fake a handoff and run around the left side and just he made a cut that there probably isn't 10 players in the league that could – maybe not even five players in the league that could make that cut. It was insane. Jumped back to the middle of the field and was, like, gone for 30 yards or something. It was just – it was incredible, but he took a lot of big hits in that game. That every time, every time one of these running quarterbacks takes a big hit like that, I'm always concerned. So, um, but yeah, I like I like uh, Lamar a lot. I hope he gets paid this year, and you know, I'm wishing him all the best. I like I like that Baltimore team as a whole. I think that they um, they got better after the you know trade deadline. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Roquan Smith, he was all over the place. They're clearly the best uh, team in the uh, AFC North. Absolutely. Absolutely, and they, I'm pretty sure they have at least a couple game lead on yep. everybody else. So they I, I think it was they a good can, win. It was a good solid win. Yeah, yeah on the road game. on yes, Monday night. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. All right, this is the portion of the show where we get to our midseason awards. So what we did is we took um, all the major uh, individual awards that they um, hand out um, at the end of the season, and we kind of took a look at the players and the coaches right now, and who would we give those awards to? So let's start it off with Coach of the Year. I'll let you go. Okay, so who did you? Let's, you made a list, I assume. What's your list look like? So my the four people I had on my list were Nick Sirianni, obviously with the eight no mm-hmm. Eagles. I had Brian Dable with the I'm not sure five and three Giants, six and three six Giants. and two, right? Yeah, me. Oh yeah, yeah, six and two. Sorry, I got confused after Seattle beat him and then they had a bye week. So um, the Giants coach Brian Dable. Uh, Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, because I think they've done a lot with, uh, you know, when Tua was out, they, he still was able to get a couple wins, looked looked pretty good. Um, made some moves at the trade deadline as well to, to get a lot better on defense. And then Pete Carroll. And my, do you want to give your list and then we can announce so who we had as our winner? So I had Arthur Smith. Um, on that list yeah, as well. Yeah, he was right there for me his, too. His, the Falcons are playing out of their mind. They're a tough team. Uh, they're right in there um, every week. And these are those games that they go one way or the other. Um, they could be, you know, two and five or two and six. They could also be six and two, yeah. um, just depending on how that ball bounces. They got a couple of horrible calls early on in the season. Um, I'm sure that they'd like to have back. Um, he gets those guys prepared. Again, the toughness is there. I think those are two key components. Uh, they for beat a the Seattle league. team that looks great this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And then I had Mike Vrabel, the aforementioned 
Mike Vrabel. I think he's doing a great job coaching with what he has. Um, So my pick was Nick Sirianni. He's 8-0. He's adaptable. He gets his team prepared um, for the opponents. Um, He finds different ways to beat said opponents. I think that is very difficult to do. And you really have to know your team and your personnel and design. Um, it's a lot of work to design those um, those game plans. So, you know, all of those reasons that you just gave are why I chose Pete Carroll. Right. And it's not just me being a homer. I mean, I get a little bit of me being a homer. It's like 30 percent you being a homer. Yeah. Like yeah. It, I, I looked at it. He's never won the NFL coach of the year, even the year that the Seahawks were whatever, 12 and four. Won the uh, thirteen and three maybe at the end of that uh, Super Bowl year and won the Super Bowl still didn't win it so I don't necessarily I feel like the coach of the year you kind of have to take who's done the most with the least from some like that that factors into my percentages of how I judge this thing I think the fact that everyone. Thought, I mean, the Vegas thought Seattle wasn't winning more than five games, or that five and a half and was half. over under. Six and a half. Five and a half before the season. Yes, it oh, was. Oh, before the season? Yeah. Okay. And they already won six, so they already have they, people they are cashing that, tickets yeah. on that. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, I was going to bet under. Like, I mean, I'm and I'm the biggest Seattle fan there is. Like, I thought we were going to be going for the number one pick in the draft. And the fact that he has got this team rallied around Geno Smith, he knew to some degree what he had in Geno Smith because he didn't they could have gone out and got Jimmy Garoppolo they could have gone out and got uh, you know Matt Ryan Carson Wentz uh, Baker Mayfield any of these guys that are all sitting on the bench now I mean I guess Jimmy Garoppolo's not probably should be but he's not so um, yeah I gave it to Pete Carroll so Mr. Posey's due yeah he's been bad in the NFL for so long it's good let's just give him yeah, I just feel like he. I feel like he. Well, you know, I, it this I, year. I kid, but I mean his ability to adapt and get better. I mean you don't walk into any profession being super good at it right away. Well, uh, their defense went from the worst defense in the league the first five weeks to the best defense in the league the last four weeks. Yeah. After that New Orleans game where Taysom Hill just ran ran the wildcat on on us and beat us single handedly, they are the best defense at least yard yardage wise. And I mean, they're like second or third. No, I get it, scoring. but that—that's the point. They can pull. He's being able to pull the team together. He's developing right. the game plan as well. Yeah. Um, because we don't have on paper the best roster in the league yeah. either. So we we have young guys that are just performing out of their minds. We got we got an offensive coordinator that seems to understand his uh, players and understand what he's trying to accomplish out there, and it seems right. to be working. We're blocking. We're doing. I mean, we're doing it with five or six rookie players contributing massively to the team. I'm excited. I mean, yeah. there are some years I think I got a little, um, little too hard on them over time. As I expected, mm-hmm. like it was championship or nothing during those 2010s, yeah. right? There's nothing else I was going to uh, accept. And I forgot about that, that area where the Seahawks used to be in like 87 and 98 or, you know, just like 2004, like where they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah. And there's a chance – they have a chance every single week to win that game. Yeah. And they're not doing the stupid Seattle Seahawks things that we're used to as as, as long – like fans, I yeah. guess. So. Knock on wood, man. If we if they stay healthy, it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so moving on to Comeback Player of the Year. Um, I'll start this one off. I have um, pretty much my top two are Geno Smith and Saquon Barkley. I chose Geno Smith because he was a starter in this league. He was a first-round pick, and then for like three teams was backup and just kind of stayed under the radar for that period of time. And then this year, when called upon to start the season, he was ready, and he's out there dominating. So for me to go from first pick to perennial backup to now a top five quarterback in the league by by numbers, um, I think that's a comeback. I did put in here Justin Fields kind of as a – can you get a comeback player of the year in the same season? Because the way he looked at the beginning and the way he looks now, right. it's almost comeback. But that was a long shot. I just wanted to get yeah. that that in there. So my three that I had on the list were the two that you mentioned, Saquon Barkley and uh, Geno Smith, and then Christian McCaffrey. Great call. Which is who I ended up going with because I saw um, – But he's there every year, uh, well, right? But, he's the star. I mean, he's he always gets hurt. hurt, though. Yeah, but, and I feel like I saw a, a take from, uh, I think, Shereen Williams from the Dallas Morning News, whatever the newspaper down there is, the beat writer for the uh, for the Cowboys talking about – you know, okay, but what did they come back from? Like, Geno Smith came back from sucking and being a backup for 10 years to being a starter. Like, Christian McCaffrey came back from multiple years of injury. I mean, he hasn't played a full season in four or five years, four or three years. No, I get it. If he qualifies as comeback player of the year, then I think it's it's a good – and he's got, yeah. It's he, a good choice. He's got 525 rushing yards, three touchdowns, 43 receptions for another 356 yards and two more touchdowns. And then he had that, uh, his, I guess, first full week being with uh, San Francisco was able to get a uh, touchdown pass as well. And, as we discussed last yeah, week, it so. was a nasty week. I, he was doing really, really great yeah, last week. Yeah, so, so yeah, right. Christian McCaffrey's my uh, comeback player of the year. Okay, defensive rookie of the year. I think there's really only two to really discuss. I uh, My two are uh, Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen. And Mine I think we, we, we have both have that. However, we've, we vary in our picks. Yeah. So I, I'm picking Sauce. And you're picking Tariq Woolen. Yeah. So why don't you give me your your reasoning behind Woolen? I think that Sauce. Uh, so I told you this before we started, but I didn't go too far into it. I think. Uh, yeah, you like Sauce, to download all your I think takes Sauce on Gardner, before we get started. I think Sauce Gardner is the lazy pick because if I choose a cornerback at number four in the draft, I expect him to do what Sauce Gardner has done. Tariq Woolen wasn't a starter going into camp. I mean, Sauce Gardner was a, a starter from day one. Tariq Woolen had to earn that job in training camp by busting his ass. He's He's got four interceptions. He's tied for second in the league in interceptions. He's got eight pass defenses. I think he's tied for like 13th or 14th in that stat. And another 31 tackles. I just feel like this kid is playing out of his mind, fifth-round pick, bust, you know, just as, you know, it's just it's it's a they can make a movie about this in 20 years uh maybe you know they just did that movie for Giannis on disney is yeah. that what you're thinking yeah. <laughs> the tariq woolen yeah, story the tariq woolen story um i can't disagree i mean if you look at those types of raw like numbers that you like to see from a cornerback interceptions things like that tariq is beating sauce 
But the one thing that I'll say, because you don't seem to watch a lot of Jets games because you had Zach Wilson as the best quarterback for a while. <laughs> but I've seen him quite a bit, and his technique is fantastic. His yeah. hands, he gets his head around on time. He's not chasing ever. He's in position. Um, just I'm obviously not meeting the stats. I think he's probably the best cornerback shutdown cornerback and yeah i guess he was first he was first round Tariq's what like fifth sixth fifth, round fifth round and i i get it he wasn't his first round his fourth overall pick in the I, draft I, I got it yeah i and i he's it, far out playing that anyway Tariq woolen is also the re, another reason why i feel like pete carroll's the coach of the year because Pete Carroll specialized like that was always his thing. The like, big cornerbacks, yeah. He, he, has, he, has he a, knows how to teach. He has he, a tight, He's a DB right? coach, yeah, yeah. He's a DB coach at heart, so yeah. that's his. Uh, that's his mo. And he's got Kobe Bryant playing out of his mind. The the uh, other rookie cor- uh, cornerback no, they, they got in the the round. Seahawks coaching staff is just coaching the shit out of those two, yeah. those uh, defenders. So. so. And that's another reason I didn't go Geno Smith because I was I was pretty homerish. I'm gonna look like a big like homer in all of these. Yeah, look like I mean <laughs> anyone. Well, is uh, so uh, let's go to offensive rookie of the year. I I had I feel like Brees Hall would walk away with this if he didn't get injured. Yeah, like for sure. Like I feel like he was definitely the best. Where's the Kenneth Walker rookie running back? I picked Kenneth Walker to be as my rookie of the year. Like the guy, he it basically in four games that he's played, like since the injury to. I mean, he had. I don't think he had more than eight carries before the last four games. They've been riding him pretty hard, um, but they had. Uh, Rashad Penny was healthy, so he wasn't getting much playing time. I think he started the injury with a uh, year with a little bit of an injury. Um, took him a – I think he only had like a couple carries the first game. Uh, and then, you know, it kind of went up from there to like eight. And then after the fourth game, they just kind of went wild with him. So uh, he's got, you know, 570 rushing yards, seven touchdowns in basically in four games. Um, I think from an offensive rookie of the year standpoint, you can really – from Two positions. Wide um, receiver and... No, I think oh. running back and quarterback. That oh, has okay. the biggest impact right away. Receiver, these guys can flash, but they are dependent on other people to deliver them the ball. So right. if you're thinking about wide receivers, you gotta you got to include Chris Olave, who looks like a number one, he looks and Garrett great. Wilson. Also those looks those like guys were both on my list as well. But yeah. I chose Damian Pierce. He's been he's been playing the entire season. He's been a, a starter the entire season. Yeah. 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 He looked good in that game against uh, Philadelphia the other night. Yeah. He looks good in, in every game. So that's why yeah. I chose him as the offensive rookie of the year. But I also get the the Walker part. Um, I just didn't think he played enough. Yeah. He and he may not have. I would probably have gone with Chris Olave if I hadn't gone with with uh, Kenneth Walker. So. All right, so the next one, Defensive Player of the Year, I don't think we have to really discuss. We're just going to say Micah Parsons, Parsons, Parsons. and we're just going to move on, right? Could have done that better. One, two, three, Micah Parsons. Anyway, yeah, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. He's a monster out there, man. I know there's nothing. He's a game wrecker. Fun to watch. Not a Cowboys fan, but I I can can tune in and watch that guy play. Offensive Player of the Year. I have two, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I chose Ty- Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's changed the outlook of that um, Miami team. The fans seem to be, like, involved in it. Even despite the underthrows when they go long, he's he's making things happen out there, and he scares defenses. Yeah, you must have uh, 
had a look at my list because I had him as well. I had yeah, I threw Patrick Mahomes in there because I think he's probably the best of the quarterbacks. Um, Jalen Hurts though is is was in my list too, uh, on my list too. Um, it, it's one of those three for sure. But Tyreek Hill, did you see him do the the. Uh, the backflip, the backflip, yeah. and the so the guy's just a freak out. Back handspring, right? Fun, yeah. fun to watch, man. Well, so despite popular belief or your own belief, I did not hack no, into I your iPad. I, I know you um, didn't. My kidding. MVP, I have really two: uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, they're two best quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah. I chose Pat Mahomes because he doesn't black out. Like yeah, Josh Allen does. I got, I've got the same. You can't really go, can't really go wrong with Chalk. him, guys. Yeah, I mean. What do you want from us, people? What do you want? <laughs> so, all right. Well, do you want to go to our uh, midseason power rankings Let's at this point? do it. All right. So, do you want to just run th- – like, do we want to break this down like one through ten well, well, each? Or how do you want to work it? I'll tell you exactly how we're going to work Let's it. Let's do it. Let's look at our Mount Rushmore section. That's our first four. I have Philly, Kansas City, Buffalo, all in the same places from the, the quarter mark. And then I've moved Dallas up two spots to number four. What do you have? I have Philly, Kansas City, Dallas at number three. Whoa. And Buffalo. After just after this last week's game for Buffalo, I'm like Josh Allen, like you said, is blacked out too many times for Buffalo me. Buffalo has a couple of weird losses this yeah, year. Yeah, and it's it's strange. Has so, me perplexed for sure. And Dallas, um, that defense is insane, and I think you know Dak Prescott's just getting going to get better and better as time goes. And I think they're they're I think definitely. Dak, one I think of the, Dak Prescott is what he is. I think the offense can get better. They might get Odell. They can get into that groove. That defense right. can be lights out. Yeah. Um, but I think Dak's Dak. I mean, I, I think coming back from the injury. Oh, I see. Time yeah, I mean, off, you know. Sure. I, I, I think, think he's, he's gonna he's gonna no. get back into it's like that first game he only had like 200 yards passing and I think it's just gonna get better but their their running game too is looking ins- incredible yeah. so all right well um, we'll go five through eight now these are the contenders we call them um, the contenders division um, I have Minnesota up three at five Seattle at six up 23 Whew. yep I'm going for it uh, number seven I, I, Baltimore up three and San Francisco up one at eight. Okay, yeah, I did not uh, do my ups or downs because I uh, lost my list from earlier this season. But um, I had five Minnesota. I put Baltimore at number six. I just like the way they're playing right now. Sure. Uh, Seattle at seven and Tennessee at eight. Whoa, you jumped San Francisco. I did. I, and I actually, San Francisco, yeah, San Francisco's in my next tier. But okay. um, I had, uh, yeah, I, I just, I like the way, after watching that Tennessee Kansas City game. I mean, they're five and three, or yeah, five and three, I believe, or six and three, and they look. That I mean, if with the good with a decent quarterback with Ryan Tannehill in there, Ryan Tannehill is nothing special, but with a quarterback that can handle the offense, make some throws here and there, that defense and running game is. That, I love it. That's tough. Yeah, San Francisco. Um, they are better at every position, uh, including quarterback. Uh, I mean, that's debatable, quarterback. Tannehill and Garoppolo, I mean, they're virtually the same thing. And, yeah, I mean, they're probably the same thing. But And then, I, I mean, I don't know, you can't – I feel like Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry are so different, though, that you can't really 
I mean, you can't say Christian McCaffrey's better than Derrick Henry. Well, if if um, Kyle Shanahan was like creating a running back in a lab, it would, it would be, be McCaffrey. McCaffrey yeah. So I think he's going to unlock him like no one else has. It, you, and that's I, I crazy to that. think about. I could see that too. And I, I'm not, trust me, like at our three-quarter poll, I feel like San Francisco is probably going to be yeah. higher than, than – Well, honestly, this is – I'm not like teams. saying you're crazy for saying that. I'm just okay. – yeah. All right, the next four are in the We Got Next division. Um, so number nine, I have Miami up two spots. Tampa Bay down five spots at number 10. Tennessee up eight spots at 11. And Cincinnati down five at uh, 12. Cincinnati's trending down for me. Yeah. Yeah, I got them down. They're not in my next category either. Um, I call this my uh, New York, New York category. Okay. Um, Number nine, New York Giants. I just like the way they're playing. I think Saquon is – a healthy Saquon is just a game changer. Uh, I got the New York Jets at number 10 after uh, after that win over Buffalo. That defense is for real. Uh, Robert Sala is you know, a defensive-minded coach, and I think he's got them playing uh, just lights out right now. If they can just – and the running game looks great. So if as long as uh, my boy Zach Wilson doesn't screw anything up, I think they can keep <laughs> on winning. So uh, like them. Uh, well, I got that's San, unlikely. I got San Francisco at 11. And the Dolphins at 12 right now. So the way I look at this section of the power rankings, it's those teams that on any given day, any given Sunday, they can beat whoever they line up against. They're that good. They do make mistakes along the way, or they do have some weaknesses from time to time and then then bad matchups. But any given Sunday, they can match up and win a game. So that's why I have them there. Uh, my next one is long shots. I would describe these as good teams, perhaps even good rosters with glaring uh, issues, okay. things that are really difficult to overcome. But in the right scenario, uh, they can win a playoff game, for example. So okay. for those, I got 13, uh, the Chargers up one, the Giants up six. The I guess this is my New York, New York section. Uh, the Jets up three and Atlanta up 10. So that's uh, 13, 14, 15, 16 there. Okay. Um, yeah, my, so 13 for me is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, 14 is the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, 15 is the Atlanta Falcons. And 16 is the New England Patriots. Wow, you moved them up into that uh, first for 16. Okay. Yeah, I think if New England can get Mac Jones back on the uh, the right path, I think that they uh, they, they could still – just make not some sure noise. that's happening. He hasn't been on the right path for a season and a half. I know. Well, he was wasn't bad last year, but the first few games. But I mean, it's he started to like disappear yeah, at the end down of the, the last stretch. Year. He yeah. didn't. Yeah. All right. Well, I have my next um, division called Seinfeld. Basically, that even Steven idea that these teams are kind of middle of the road. This is where I have New England at seventeen. They're pretty much flat. This is where I had them at the beginning, uh, or at the week four mark. Um, I have Chicago up 12. They're surging a little bit. Uh, Washington up nine. I think they're surging. And uh, New Orleans finishing off this division, number 20, uh, also up two. Okay. Um, Yeah, I have at 17, I have the Commanders. Um, 18, Tampa Bay. You really dropped them a lot. Yeah, big time. Uh, They just don't. Can't blame you. They don't look good to me at all, man. They don't. They don't. Uh, 19 is Chicago. Uh, if you give, I think I'm excited to see where they can, they, they, they definitely, definitely are on an upward trajectory. Uh, 
And then 20, I have the New Orleans Saints as well. Yeah, with with the exception of maybe Tampa Bay, like we were kind of like right in that yeah. same division. And I, yeah. That's crazy. All right, so the next one um, is what I call the pretenders. These are teams that kind of at times look like they should be there, you know, division leader, and then ultimately <laughs> they prove right. themselves not to be. Um, so number 21, I have Indianap- uh, Indianapolis Colts. Um, they were that no change. Uh, Cleveland down seven. Um, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars down nine and then Denver at 24, no change there. I haven't moved them. Okay. I have Cleveland at 21, uh, the Rams at 22. Wow. Okay. Green Bay at 23. Just, I mean, cause I, I have a hard time. Like I still, it's like Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback of that team. You know what I mean? Um, it's just hard to, to throw I know, to. I know. Nothing. Um, and then and, I, and they lost, uh, Gary. I saw that. That's season, tough. So, uh, and then Arizona Cardinals at 24. Wow, you have a lot of teams that you're pretty much higher on than me. So um, I, these like this section we just did, and like the next eight are just garbage teams to me. That they, they could be interchangeable anywhere along the line. No, right, exactly. So my maybe next year, those teams like well, per, you know, to my point about Aaron Rodgers, I have Green Bay at 25, down 21. I had them at four <laughs> when I when we did this last. Um, Las Vegas down three at 26, Arizona down 11 at 27 and the Rams at, um, 28 also, uh, down, what was that 16? I am, I am like, you're out on Tampa Bay. I'm out on the Rams. Yeah. They look horrible. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and Stafford hasn't shown the resiliency or the ability to come back mid season and get no. things turned around like Tom Brady. And he so. might have a concussion. I did my list before I saw that he was in the concussion protocol. So me too. Um, <laughs> uh, 25. I had uh, the Raiders 26. I had Jacksonville. Like I just, the quarterback play there is too inconsistent for me. Uh, 27. I have Denver and 28. I have Carolina um, Panthers. I, I put them ahead of a few teams just because I like the, the grit they showed after trading away half their team um, over the last few weeks. I mean, obviously they got their doors blown off uh, this last week by Cincinnati, but um, yeah, they looked really good the first two weeks of the, after Oh, you the, got Carolina in the second to last group. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So last group. Fair enough. Yeah. Last group. I call them uh, this, this division is called relegated. Um, so we have 29. I have the Carolina Panthers. That what's funny is they're up two from my previous list. Right, they're yeah, actually they, no, they're, uh, they've got to be still, up for me too. But still yeah. in that division, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, they're down five for me. Houston up one. They were the last, and now I have Detroit. They're down six. I was a little bit higher coming out of uh, the first quarter of the season on Detroit, but I, they're yeah. they're they're regressing to the mean quite a bit. So um, yeah, 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 down well, six. I put them. I, I have Detroit at twenty nine. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at thirty. Indianapolis at 31 like that team is a freaking joke man like we're gonna get to Jeff Saturday in a few minutes honestly that's right thinking of that because I obviously put this put them in I don't know what they're gonna look like so that might change by uh by our three three quarter mark here yeah and then uh 32 then is gonna be Houston well that was a fun exercise yeah we're right there man yep all right so this is where we uh the next section is looking at what bets or you know what we're looking forward to week 10 uh predictions so i have a few games that i'm really excited to watch and then my bets are kind of separate from that sure so my, the games i'm really looking forward to this week are 
Um, Seattle and Tampa Bay. I was, you know, I'm a freaking Seattle Seahawks fan. I can't can't hide that. I can't quit you. And uh, you know, I think it's going to be. Fi- I'm I'm anxious to see. I keep waiting for them to run into something that's going to just knock them off their their run here. You know what I mean? And and Tampa has not looked good this year at all, uh, especially offensively. Their defense is still pretty decent. Um, yeah, I'm just anxious to see it. And and it, Pete it, Carroll it, has shown that he can beat Tom. Maybe yeah. not in Super Bowls, but definitely in the regular season. Yeah, for sure. And um, the other thing, yeah, you know, it's I'm always torn when I watch Tampa Bay games because they have so many players that are from the University of Washington, which is my college team of of choice. Uh, so it's yeah, it's fun, man. I I'm anxious to watch that game and see how everybody buddy looks. Yeah, just running down this list a little bit. I mean, it's gonna be. I don't know. I think I got Atlanta. Got. Seattle got Buffalo, obviously Chicago over Detroit. I don't know Denver at Tennessee. That might be interesting. Yeah, uh, my other Philly and Washington. I want to see what. You know, just I, I'm anxious to see Philly. I, cause everybody's going to throw their best game at them, right? Yep. So I want to see what that looks like, and I, I believe it's at Washington. So tackle um, guys. I hope they're working on tackling yeah, this year no doubt. or this week. And then uh, I want to see Minnesota and Buffalo. I'm just intrigued by that game because it's, you know, the Case Keenum Vi- out there. Yeah, Vikings are on a on a heater and Stephon Buffalo Diggs, both former um, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and Buffalo may or may not have Josh Allen, so it's going to be be an interesting uh, So you're saying you like that. Uh, well, I hope they have him. I want him to play. I like jo- Josh Allen's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, so um, I hope he does well. I hope he plays. I hope he's okay. Uh, and I hope he, yeah, I, if he plays, if he doesn't play in this game, I'm not excited for it. So I'll leave go. it at that. All right. So yeah, where, what bets are you making this week, Mike? It was tough going. I was trying to find value without being too crazy with this because it really, you know, burned me last week. So yeah. I'm trying to be a little conservative here. Um, so I got Seattle money line at Tampa Bay. They're playing in Munich. That's plus 140. Pretty straightforward. Um, I have Denver at Tennessee uh, money line. I take the Tennessee money line um, with. Um, parlayed with Indiana, Indianapolis at Las Vegas with uh, taking Las Vegas money line. That's plus 130. Um, Arizona money line at the Rams. That's plus 138. And Dallas money line at Green Bay and the over 42 and a half. Also, this is a three, uh, it's three legs. The final leg is Washington at Philly money line. Uh, that's plus 228. So, not huge plus numbers. I'm just trying to like chip away, yeah. not get too crazy with stuff like I did last week. I got a little full of myself, so I <laughs> ate like some it. humble pie and trying to take it forward. So my number one bet on the year or on the week was the Rams minus one and a half against the Cardinals, but Matt Stafford's in the concussion protocol, so I threw that one away. Uh, I have Chicago minus three uh, at home against Detroit. That was I tempting. Think, I think that you know. I, I think Fields. I mean, if Fields is going to do it, I think this is a team he can really do it against. And uh, I mean, Miami's defense is good, and he shredded them last week. So um, I, I just I have a good feeling about about him getting a home game and, and getting to. Uh, don't know that the only other thing is the weather. You never know at this time of year. The weather in Chicago could be a factor, but uh, that's my first bet. So um, and I'm just betting, you know, whatever minus one ten. So. Uh, then I have the Cowboys minus four and a half at the Packers. Um, just feel like 
Green Bay's done. Not betting on them anymore. Only betting against them if if I'm doing anything on those games. And I think if Aaron Rodgers looked that bad against uh, Detroit, the Cowboys are going to mop the floor with him. Beware the rebound game, but I'm with you on this. I think Dallas is going to win yeah. uh, going away. I mean, it, they always, you know, the Packers, it's at Lambeau Field. That's always a tough place to play, but I think, you know, they have an experienced quarterback. They have, you know, a good running game. Their defense we've talked about is it's, uh, lights out, so I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, and then my last bet then is the Giants minus five uh, at home against the Texans. I think the Giants had a week off to uh, get rested up, get healthy, and um, I'm interested to see what, what they can do here against uh, a, a pretty uh, lackluster Houston team. All right, let's go. Let's do it. All right, so every week you pose a question to me, um, just some random shit, I guess. And this week was based on the current Q- QB market, uh, how much value does Geno Smith happen have right now in the open right. market? Well, so I'm, I was thinking back, and I'm like, how many times the only person I can remember is Rich Gannon that had kind of was like had a little bit of a starting career for for a minute, didn't do very well, and then was kind of a career backup, and you know whatever. However, six years later, came back with the Raiders and took that team to the Super Bowl, um, and had like a good little three year run there. What? Yeah, that's and then that got me thinking. Like, you know, Geno Smith, I think is only making he can make up to like three and a half million dollars this year. That's all, and has already got six wins banked. Uh, yeah, where where do you put this at? So I took the liberty of looking at the top twenty uh, contracts, um, most payouts for two thousand, the highest two thousand twenty two salary. So the top top twenty uh, quarterbacks. So hopefully I can rattle these off pretty quick. Uh, Matt Stafford's number one at sixty-one and a half million. Jesus. Russell Wilson's fifty-seven million. Josh Allen forty-six and change. Deshaun Watson forty-six million. Aaron Rodgers forty-two million. Kirk Cousins at six at forty million. We have Tom Brady and Kyler Murray tied at seven with thirty million. Um, we have Patrick Mahomes at twenty-seven four fifty or twenty-nine four fifty. My apologies. Ryan Tannehill at twenty-nine million. Um, that's the top 10 right there. Then we get into like Carson Wentz territory, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott's at 16, uh, Sam Darnold, crazy to me, at, um, at 17, Jameis Winston, Garoppolo, your favorite, and then Kenny Pickett, surprisingly enough, at number 20. Now, I pro- approach this in two different ways. One, I go, what is his value based on kind of what he has done or what he's shown this year and what his potential could be? Um, And then my other thing was um, who I would replace. Like if I was to like take, I don't know, insert him into a salary rank. Uh, Like, so let's say Matt Stafford. Is he playing better than Matt Stafford? Yes. Give him his, you know, we'll just go down the list like that. So the first part of that question is, I think he's in the DAC. Prescott range, which is roughly $20 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, the way he's playing, um, let's hope he can project. I, would, it out. I mean, I would run to the bank with that. If you could get him to sign for like a three year, you know, $20 million a year, uh, salary. I just think that he's going to have to, there, it, it's probably going to be more like 30. I, I is what I'm thinking. I, I heard a, a, a salary cap expert, Joel Corey on the radio, and he was saying that he would he would probably guess twenty five to thirty million dollars a year, 
would be the going rate for. I think he's a comp to Dak the way he's playing this year. Um, yeah. I didn't expect it, honestly, because he's a backup. And at some no. point, you're just as good as, you know, your last game, I suppose. So um, I was. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the season is going to tell a lot about this. This was just. It, I was just interested because, like, we've never really, like, yeah, I mean, other than outside of Rich Gannon, we've never really seen this. So let's do this. Let's go down the top 20, and I'll say the name, and you tell me whether you would take Gino or that name. Okay. Okay. As they're playing this season. All right. Matt Stafford. No. You wouldn't take, so you would take Gino over Matt Stafford? Yes. Okay. Would you take Gino over Russell Wilson? Yes. Would you take Gino over Josh Allen? No. All right. So that's where we have some differentiation. Uh, would you take Gino over Deshaun Watson? Yes. Yes. But to me, he's dead. I don't even want to see I him. I mean, even if he's, even if he didn't do the stuff he did, I mean, a guy that's been off, hasn't played in a year and a half. Sure. I don't, you know, it's tough to, tough to take them over a guy that's six and three right that's now. That's showing some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yes. I would take Gino Smith over Aaron Rodgers. I would not. I think really? that's where we've the first point where we differ. I still think Aaron has the talent. He showed it. I, we had, I brought up a couple of throws last week. Um, I think something else is happening that he's doing. That's why I think he's still got the talent. He's just not. Yeah. I guess for 50 or what, how much is he making this year? $50 million. He is making uh 42 million this year. Uh, his average annual. He, so he has a three-year contract. It was 150 million. Uh, yeah. 150 million this year. It's 42 um, and he had 11 million guaranteed. That's a rough average of 50 million a year for him. Okay, so yeah, I think I I feel like right at this point I would take the way that Geno Smith is playing right now over the way okay. Aaron Rodgers is okay. playing. Kirk Cousins. Um, would you take Geno over Kirk Cousins? That'd be tough. There's yeah, no I, way. I think, in, there's think, no way I, in hell. I don't that like I'm Kirk Cousins. Gino. Yeah, I don't I, like him either. I don't there's like no way Kirk I'm Cousins. Him. All right. Uh, would you take him over Tom Brady? The way he's playing this year? This year. That's and 45-year-old. Yeah, I would take him over 45-year-old Tom Brady. Would you take Geno Smith over Kyler Murray? Yes. I don't like the way he pouts. Would you take him over Mahomes? No, of no, course not. of course not. That's ridiculous, right? Would you take him over Tannehill? Yes. Me too. Would you take him over Carson Wentz, Sackmaster? Yes. All right. Would you take him over Jared Goff? Yes you take him over Derek Carr? Yes. Matt Ryan? Yes. Lamar Jackson? No. Dak Prescott? I think I would take Geno Smith over Dak Prescott. Wow. Okay. Um, Sam Darnold? Obviously. Yeah. Um, Jameis Winston? Obviously. Mm -hmm. Garoppolo and Pickett? Obviously. Yeah. So there's only like three or four players, depending on how you... Uh, how we pick right. that you would take over Geno Smith the way he's playing right now. That says something to me. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's, he's 32 already, so he's not going to be able to command a 10 year deal or, you know, something crazy like that. So, I mean, I think you can probably get him done for, if, if you could, even if you could get it, give him three and 30, three years, 30 million a year, I would probably do that. You could give it short and a lot like a higher guarantee. Uh, that way you can kind of amortize that over um, or you can give him a, like a longer contract um, without as many guarantees. So by the yeah. time you hit the third year, he's uh, his contract's cancelable. Essentially. Yeah, so it depends that. on how they set it up. We'll see. 
I don't know how many teams are going to be in the market for him. So that's true too. you don't and want to compete to get yourself against one, yourself as the Seahawks. But. I heard there's like very few free agent, like capable star. Like I think Garoppolo's the best available free agent. I think potential starting quarterback as a coach, GM, offensive coordinator, you have to look at the way Seattle's playing him and seeing it. Is it part of the scheme that's helping this? And can we help him the same way? Right. Or is he, or, or has he legitimately been able to change his entire game? Right. Which would be pretty awesome as well. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, you know, people keep talking about his leadership qualities have improved so vastly that that, has a lot to do with it so um yeah maybe it isn't just a scheme thing and it's it's actually that he's a, 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 a you know competent nfl quarterback now sure yep all right so all set with that yep let's talk about take corner so i wanted to give one more week of the zach wilson watch so here's the zach line uh this week 18 for 25 at 72 percent. actually one of his better weeks yeah. Uh, passing percentage-wise, 154 yards, eh, one touchdown. And this is the, the the great thing that he does so well. Take sacks for a lot of yards. So he is two sacks for 18. That's, like again, about average, about 10 yeah. yards a sack. And he has 24 yards rushing. So he can move the ball. He is pretty mobile. Um, they should utilize that a little bit the more. The funny thing, man, is that a lot of guys aren't throwing for a lot of yards this year. There's been a lot of sub 200 yard passing games. We talked about it, man. By this, good quarterbacks, it's, you know, two high so, safeties. Yeah, I mean, no big, no big explosive plays when, downfield. Yeah, Everything I, short. I think he looked good. I think I sent you something saying scoring's he, down a little bit. I think too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I sent you something about um, that. Yeah, his his completion percentage and then his uh, how quickly he was getting. He only had like 2.1 second to throw the ball on average in this game, and that was the l- least Not, of his. Career. That's what he was doing. Well, he was getting rid of the ball in two points. Right, that's seconds, not what yeah. he. That's not what he had to do. That's what he. Oh, I read it. So I read it that he only had like that the offensive line wasn't playing that great, and he only had very short windows to throw the ball into. You know, like very short oh, okay. time frames. I guess that makes sense. So I didn't read the article. So yeah, but I mean, I could be wrong anyway. The fact is, is that they did. But he was I, I did read an article right. where it said the the faster he gets that ball out, and that two, um, anywhere to two and two and a half. If he can get it at that, he's a better quarterback right. than if, if he holds on to it, which he has a tendency to do, and then run backwards and get sacked. <laughs> well, win, winning games still, man, winning games. So. But, again, it's not because of him. He is not contributing to that. He he's is actually losing it he's act, He is, though. Other people have to compensate yeah. for his inability. An 18-yard sack means that they're going to have to punt that, or a, a 10-yard sack means they're going to have to punt the ball. Right. right, they're not going to convert that distance down yeah. in distance. You're right. No. no matter what happens, so that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. The defense is stepping up and giving him the ball back, and then he throws an interception. Then he throws another interception, <laughs> and then uh, guess what? The defense holds that line again, and then they hand it off to somebody, and that yeah. person scores a touchdown. Right. That's what yeah, happens. I mean, with this yeah, game. no, it has nothing to do. It's clear that he is not playing that well. But I'm still I'm not I'm not completely no I'm not completely selling my stock in Zach Wilson. Yet. Don't. But stop saying it. The win, the win, the team that wins. That really bothers you. I like this. It it's such an <laughs> asinine like argument because none of the other measurables are anywhere near what you would call a good quarterback. Yeah. 
Well, I, you know, I, after um, you writing your letter to me, I saw, oh man, it was, I forget who it was now. It was like a former, from the heart. former GM uh, saying, they were like, oh, would you bench Zach Wilson? And he was just like, no. Like, why would you bench Zach Wilson? Like, Zach Wilson was the number two pick in the draft 18 months ago. Like, the guy hasn't even played one and a half, and this was last week. So he's like, hasn't even played a season and a half yet. Didn't start from day one last year, I don't think. Here, here to that point. You got to let it, you got to give him time to grow. And I agree. And I agree. But the winning allows you to make that decision. Yeah. If those games flip the other way and he plays the same, as shitty as he's been playing, and those are, and those losses, are losses, yeah, he's course, out. You're going to get a lot of pressure to get him out and bring Flacco in, who's not really an upgrade. No. He still not throws picks. Yeah. He's not mobile. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be. It's but he can be throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah, I will true. say that. Yeah. Okay. Flacco pi. Remember that? Yeah. Where he just throws it down, hucks it downfield, and hopes for a pass interference. Yeah. yeah. All right. New um, show on CBS. Flacco pi. <laughs> did you have any other uh, hot takes? Yeah, I wanted that? to talk a little bit about the Frank Wright firing and the Indianapolis okay. Colts and the weird stuff that happened right after that. You had some takes on this. I wanted to kind of put it out there. I don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of problems that are coming up with uh, uh, as it relates to this hiring. He has no like coaching experience whatsoever. It came out of left field. Um, there's what did they meet the Rooney rule requirements on this? Like, what does it all look like? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you, I think because he's an interim coach that it may not matter matter with the Rooney rule thing which is ridiculous but that, that it doesn't affect that but just the fact that you're gonna like he's you know cocaine Jim Ursay came out and said it's I, I wanted somebody who didn't have experience and I wanted somebody who is like a fresh fresh to this and it's like well there's a million black NFL co- head coach or head coaching candidates that would have loved that opportunity too and I mean, maybe he's trying, he's looking at the NBA and you see Steve Kerr gets a job straight, uh, you know, st- straight off of the working for ESPN on the sideline as a, as an analyst or whatever. It was a GM prior to that. Yeah. Well, either way. Phoenix. Okay. But he, still, he yeah. had experience yeah. at least in the office. Yeah. Working on these things. Still you're, Personal you're hiring decisions. like, or Ty Lu gets the job no, uh, I, a year I, after. I it. It's just he was trying I think maybe he was trying to go down that road to see if he could find a spark somewhere. But Ty Lu was on the coaching staff. I thought he was I thought he got the job though the year after he like halfway through the year after he retired. After who retired? After Ty Lu retired. Pretty sure it was like the next year he was the head coach. They fired Mike Brown and, and they had hired Ty Lu onto the coaching staff, but he became the head coach like 20 games Oh, I'm sorry. Season. I was thinking Ty Lu um with, with Cleveland. That's what I'm saying. Ty Lue with Cleveland. The the head coach got fired like 20 games into the season, and Ty Lue was the assistant coach. That's what I'm saying. He was on but the so coaching staff. For he had games, coaching though, experience. Yeah, okay. It's not the same thing when you refer to Jeff Saturday. He has no coaching That's, experience. Okay. He's not sitting on the sideline. He's not in the rooms with these guys. That's, he has no relationship yeah. with these guys, and they're bringing him in the middle of the middle of the year to be this yeah, coach. It's, it ridic- make any it's sense. ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not arguing the point. I'm just saying like I don't know what – I'm trying to like – come up with a, a man that's like gacked out of his mind on cocaine 
what he could be thinking. I don't know if he's... it's still that way, but I got you. Right? Did you see the press conference? I, I, he looked like a crazy. I mean, he looked he like tuned up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's at that crazy old white dude space where just everything looks like that. He's just the it his reasoning's nonsense. Yeah. I think it's a bad decision. I think he's trying to outthink the room for some reason. I don't yeah. get it. What they don't need is like off the wall stuff. They've been managing that team conservatively. They're not going out and taking, you know, big quarter chances on quarterbacks. They're bringing in old dudes that have established like passing yards. They bring in uh uh Phillips, they bring in uh, Matt Ryan. They're not going out and going crazy with stuff. They bring in Carson Wentz. Not crazy at the time. They're not really shooting like Mike, that. And then all of a sudden they shoot off, off Mike, the hip. Let's let's do a prayer circle for Frank Reich real quick. No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the the it whole, didn't help him. The I can whole tell you situation that. is it's insane. It's he should have promoted one of the guys that's already on the team. Yep. They're all, are already on the coaching staff, and that the the players can rally behind. That yeah. have they been in the trenches with, and they, right. they're developing the talent. You couldn't find somebody to step up in that group. That's ridiculous. I saw that. I'd be insulted if I was part, not only part of that football team, but also part of the coaching staff. I'd be Oh, yeah, I'd be I would be insulted. pissed if I was on the coaching staff. When I saw that cro- pass across, like whatever the bottom line on ESPN or come up on my uh, iPhone ESPN update or whatever it was, I was like, I, I read it and I was like, Jeff Saturday. I'm like, Jeff, I'm like, huh. He's like, I thought he's with ESPN. He must be, uh, he must have been on the coaching staff there. Uh, he must have like left ESPN and gone on the coaching staff there. Like that's weird. And like I was picturing Jeff Saturday as somebody else in my head, and then I turn on ESPN like at ten thirty or something, and they're like, "Yeah, Jeff Saturday was supposed to be here today, but he's on his way to Indianapolis to be introduced as the." Uh, head. I was like, "What the? F- what is going on in this world?" You man? know what this the funniest crazy. part of this whole thing is? Is he worked for ESPN as yeah. as you just stated? So like all of his friends are trying to delicately say what the fuck is happening i saw a few people like really roast him though. yeah they were getting it's like he's a great guy but why i don't get it yeah yeah they were there few people were going after him so all right um anyway do you have any other takes that was my last take okay my uh i saw a tweet come across the other day it wasn't from anybody reputable they didn't they hadn't paid they for the blue, blue check. check they didn't have they okay. didn't pay for the eight dollars for the blue check mark yet um but they had kind of an interesting take on the Tom Brady unretirement. Mm. Un- re- un- All right. And uh, this person said, could it be possible? Because Tom Brady was in line to sign a huge, like, hundred-plus million-dollar deal to be an analyst for Fox or NBC. I forget what company yeah, it was. Yeah, like two, 250 Yeah, or 250 or 300 something like or something yeah. like that. And... So basically the guy said, you know, could it be that Tom Brady knew he was going to be getting divorced and was like, I'm not splitting that money with Giselle. So I'm going to go back and make 25 million or whatever it is this year, uh, playing quarterback for Tampa Bay. And then once the divorce is finalized, I'll go back out and, and get that same amount of money, if not more to go be an analyst for the, for a network next year. That's an interesting take, but I, I, Personally, I believe that there's no question in my mind that those two have figured out the financial piece of this well before it got to this point. Probably true. I think they have companies they have to worry about that they have to worry about transitioning through. So, like, you don't want Giselle having a piece of 
TB12, it's, it's hard to transition from a partnership like that in, in, a, in a marriage to kind of payouts and hurts bottom line. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that she, I, I'm pretty sure she's worth more than he is anyway. So, but I'm well, there sure. you go, honestly. So, that, that, that's why I, mean, when, that's why I was like, maybe this money. does make, yeah, I was like, maybe this does make She's more living sense. fine the rest of her life. Yeah, I mean, she, she'll have it, but exactly. So, I mean, just, I don't know, just throwing it out there. I just thought it was interesting. It's a, interesting it's a very take. interesting take for sure. Okay, so what uh, you want to go to to our diversity section? Diversity here? section here, yeah. What's what, what did yeah. you watch this week? Um, I didn't really. I watched several things, but nothing of note, I guess. Um, the week's actually been kind of a blur, um, and I'll get into more why in a little bit. Um, but my take, I was kind of the Brooklyn Nets are kind of falling apart, like the wheels are falling off as yeah. we speak. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with them. Um, they fired Steve Nash uh, a couple weeks ago, and they didn't really have a coach, and then they name uh, Ime Udoka, Udoka. Udoka um, as their head coach. No, they didn't. They ended up not doing that. I understand. Oh, okay. Let me finish. They get all this pushback from women within the organization, and uh, they look like they pivoted um, recently and hired yeah and hired Jacques Vaughn. Yeah, which um, is good. And he was the interim coach, and they brought and just remove that tag from yeah him. and it's fine but per the how you project yourself as an organization um people out there see it free agents see it coaching uh, uh talent sees it um office talent sees it president of operations and general managers everyone is watching right now and they are messing this up yeah there was a moment where everyone thought that that, that that team was going to win like three championships in a row. They have three of the three superstars on that team, if you can even call them that anymore. Still think KD is a superstar. KD but is, but that's it. Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and even KD are the softest group of supers. I mean, they're, they're all head cases. They're, they do crazy shit. They... I mean, Ky- ben, Kyrie's were threatening to retire. Ben Simmons can't shoot a f- free throw and is like won't won't even take jump shots. If you watch their games, I'm actually going to the Portland Trailblazers uh, game against the Brooklyn Nets next week down in Portland. And uh, well, Katie's fun. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait. Katie's well, I, like I still love him because he played for the Sonics and he's still you know he's come out in Seattle with the Sonics jersey on before at one of the the summer league games and knows his roots still such, yeah, yeah still uh, still fun. represents the city so That's i fun, yeah. got love for him but uh, yeah i mean you know Kyrie Irving with the i mean he apologized excuse me he apologized and it it is you know i mean he's he he just he seems like he should just shut and i i don't like to be the one that's like shut up and dribble or whatever you know like i'm not saying that but it's like think about what you're saying before you say it think things through and you know i mean and i feel like he apologized and maybe like this is getting overblown i saw a take from jason williams uh the former duke point guard and who was a rookie of the year for the bulls and then you know we got it jason williams uh, yeah well i don't know that the people listening know who that is mike okay i'm just going to explain it google uh anyway not not the guy that shot somebody in his house yeah that's why i was saying that's why i was describing who it was anyway he just put out a video today which i feel like he might get fired from espn for this because he was just like look 
when Sarah Silverman does blackface, we don't make her go meet with the ACLU and all these people like they're making Kyrie Irving do because and do sensitivity training and all these things. You know, Kyrie Irving apologized. He said he takes it back. He donated $500,000 to the to uh, a Jewish organization for uh, I'm not sure exactly what organization it was, but he donated $500,000. He's there was a list of things that he was required to do. In but order that's to get that's back. what Jason Williams was saying. Like, how do you how do you put on a black athlete this list of things that they have to do? But you don't do that to to white people that do that. Same, Sarah Silverman or whoever. I mean, it, it's it's a shit take. And here's why. Different situation. Sarah Silverman, for all intents and purposes, is, is her own business. So true. she goes out and says outrageous things. It only affects herself. Right. This is an organization that Kyrie represents. I, you know, if Jason Williams went out and said, did, did the same stuff and worked for ESPN, ESPN is going to have an opinion about that. That's true. My, that is true. my wife worked for FEMA, and she couldn't openly on, on, on uh, social media or otherwise say, have any political takes. Trump's a this. Biden's a that. She, can't make, she couldn't make those okay. types of comments. Because it was against the policy of the organization. I see what you're saying. Kyrie yeah. Irving is working for he he has to know that this stuff can affect his bottom line, and if he doesn't, it's on him. Yeah, and I think that. And if he wants know, if to he get would have playing, come out, if he would have come out and been apologetic from the get go, he was kind of standoffish with the media when it first happened, and basically was like, "Screw you, that's my opinion," and I think that's what really ended up costing him. But yeah, I, I see what you I see your point. On. Honestly, at this point, Joe Sai, um, I think he's the um, proprietor of that payment. It's like this. It's the Chinese payment service. Like it's the PayPal version. I forget what it's called off the top okay. of my head. But he's tied in with the Chinese government. There's no question. And there's a lot of things that go, I mean, they're actively trying to steal our state secrets. I mean, let's how far away? How many? people removed from espionage is Josiah. Right. Um, I would say not a lot. He holds Kyrie's you know, feet over the fire, and he should have in that scenario. Mm -hmm. um, but then he moves to make this potential HR nightmare higher with yeah. Udoka. It doesn't make any sense, the, the decision he makes. Right. Whether, I, you know, Kyrie, say what you want. Post what you want. It doesn't matter to me, right? If, it, if you say something that's offensive to me, I can stop participating in whatever you yeah, are. That's that's how that's Joe Sai's take, right? People are going to stop participating in this. People, you're messing with my money. You're messing with the press. I have to like respond to this. Your mistake causes me a headache. So I'm going to make you pay for that. That's how this shit works. That's uh, how, yeah, that's how you go to court. That shit happens. If you say something or do something to somebody, yeah. you have to pay damages. You have to do all yeah. this stuff. Like if I sued you for falling off your slippery deck, don't, you'll have to pay me. Don't sue me, Mike. Don't sue me. <laughs> no, I get it, man. Yeah, I mean, he, Kyrie, just the flat Earth stuff. All he just he, he's got some crazy takes, man. Be, I mean, be crazy, man. Be you, Kyrie. But there are consequences to your actions. That, and just, that, that's and just, the bottom line. And just expect this stuff that's to happen. The bottom line. You're gonna have to jump through hoops, and you're gonna have to. You know, people are going to get their pound of flesh out of you, and that's just the way it is. You can like it or not, and Jason Williams, just shut the fuck up, man. You're mm -hmm. at, you, you can't compare the two things. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I would be shocked if he's not at least suspended from ESPN for a short time because it doesn't seem like they're, you know, they they've been pretty outspoken. The on-air talent on ESPN about Kyrie, you know. And frankly, I don't think road. this is a black or white thing anyway. I mean, I, I, there are plenty of white people that get canceled, and I'm not trying to like be you know, all I've matter or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah. there are, people get canceled for saying and doing stupid shit, illegal shit, true, trafficking women, right? Um, but you know, but you can't being anti-Semitic, to, right? But but that's what I'm saying. Right. It just doesn't matter. Okay. All right. What uh, do you have? Any other diversity stuff you want to talk about? Um, I'll finish up. So if you have any, you go ahead. Um, I did. I watched a, uh, a Netflix one of their true crime documentaries this week. Ooh, which one? Called Killer Sally. Killer Sally. Oh yeah, the bodybuilding one. It's a. It is the wildest shit. I don't really know that it was that good. Um, so, it's a documentary from Netflix about. Sally and Ray McNeil, who are two Marines turned bodybuilders, like, like full on steroid, you know, huge, just insane muscles. Sure. Abusive relationship. She had two kids from a previous marriage and this all. And so in Valentine's Day, 1995, she ends up shooting and killing him after alleged years of abuse, uh, both physical, mental, all these things. Um, the first Not kind emotional. of emotional, uh, I assume emotional as well. Um, all the, yeah. So the first episode is kind of like laying out what happened from her side of the story. Second episode is kind of like what happened from his friend and family's view of things. Um, and their kid, the, the two kids. So she had two kids from a previous marriage that were now raised by this Ray McNeil, um, who was also a black man. So they, two multi, multiracial children from her previous marriage that are now this man has taken over as their father. Um, and you know, they said that he had been abusive to them as well, all this stuff anyway. And then in the third episode, you kind of see like the, like the result of the, the, of the trial. I won't give anything away. You see the result of the trial, the impact on the family, the, all these things. And that kind of brought it together for me and, and made me actually, really enjoy it after the first two episodes i didn't really even want to watch the third but i was just like i need something to talk about on the podcast so i'm going to give this 45 minutes and and watch the third episode and i'm glad i did i thought it was it really wrapped it up pretty well and um just super interesting story um she she was making money in like the early late 80s and early 90s by advertising um herself like in uh not la- not necessarily laundry but like underwear and that she would wrestle men like so she would not not prostitute herself necessarily but she would do the it was it was the most insane thing and she's like and she called herself killer sally in the in these kind of uh promo videos for trying to get men to pay her to come and let let them wrestle her in a bedroom on a bed it was the most insane thing i've ever seen was that a pun no. Come and wrestle them. Come and wrestle them, I guess. Could have been. All right. Could be. Let's go. What's, what's your... Uh... Crazy stuff. Yeah, it was nuts. Check it out. Killer Sally. Yeah. On Netflix now. Cop it. All right. So this week has been a rough week. Um, we've been experiencing in our household a bit of a mental health emergency. Um, 
I don't want to get into too many details about it, but um, we've been trying for quite some time to be able to get somebody available in that field to help. Um, it's been so difficult. Um, over the last year and a half, two years, have been a lot of people that have been isolated and are having issues dealing with that isolation and um, have significantly changed um, their lives. And um, suicides are up and mental health issues are up. Um, more Depression is up. And um, among, uh, among all of that, like it's really hard to find somebody. And then in addition to that, it's even harder to find somebody that fits the specific needs for the person that's having this emergency. So um, we've been trying for a while to find help for a member of my family. We finally got to a point where, you know, the anxiety had gotten so much that she stopped eating and things like that. And we finally were able to find somebody that helped in the way that, that this person needed. Um, they, they came to the house, they do the checks, we have a plan. Um, I say this because a lot of people don't understand how much this, uh, the toll that is being placed on, on some of these people. And I think we should have some empathy for people who are going, you know, through mental health issues and we should try to understand as best we can, um, stop using words like crazy and things like that to describe them because we really don't know kind of how these people are suffering. Um, I'm truly grateful that we were able to find um, what I hope and believe is the right people, the right team to help um, this person in my life through the struggles they were having. So I just wanted to take a moment and talk about how important that is and empathy is important and yeah. that we uh, really kind of help people not pull them down, not make fun of them. And, yeah. and man, if you're a, a healthcare, mental health care professional, uh, thank you. Um, I know you work hard. I know it's a thankless job a lot of the times, but uh, I'm appreciative. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you were able to find help as well because I know, um, you know, years ago, my father and, and stepmom had some, some issues with my stepbrother and they were really left, like, they had to actually travel to Oregon because I guess Washington State, I don't know what it's like now, but at the time, like 10 or 15 years ago, we were like one of the worst uh, states in the country at helping people with, like finding with, with uh, mental problems, whatever the case may be, like depression, you know. The Pacific Northwest like is, has a pretty long history with it. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing. It's gray here so much. It's, it's like a lot of people do get seasonal depression, things like that. But And then, yeah, you, you factor that in with the, the pandemic of the last three and a half years. It's just, yeah, things are things are tough for everybody, man. I'm glad that you were able to, to find that, um, that help for, for your, for your uh, loved one. And, and, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, thank you for uh, sharing that story. Yeah, thank you. So, all right, well, I guess with that, uh, do you have anything else to add, Mike? Well, Gino knows that you're only as good as your last game. So, Jeremy... Yours only as good as your last podcast. I love it, man. Please uh, like, rate, review, listen, all that good stuff. Share this podcast if you can. Uh, we appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.